Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Menezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Well, I'm so excited to have a great industry thought leader, John Madison, Chief Marketing Officer and Executive Vice President of Products for Fortinet. Welcome, John, to Executives at the Edge. Please tell us a little bit about yourself to our audience. You have such a great background and such a diverse knowledge. I think it'd be so impressive for our listeners. Well, it's a long background these days, for sure. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, I've been at Fortinet for about uh, 10 years, obviously, uh, Fortinet has uh, experienced really rapid growth in, in networking and cybersecurity before that with another with an endpoint vendor for 10 years and before that with uh, a, a networking vendor. So I, I do my 10-year stints at, the, at these companies. Well, that's great. And now Fortinet is, you know, well-recognized leader in the whole cybersecurity space. You've really delivered a tremendous amount of products and portfolios. But tell us really about the state of the cybersecurity threat landscape today. We're hearing about a number of challenges, including increased cyber risks, complexities in the organizations, uh, deployments, and then compounded by this is the cybersecurity you know, skills that are you know, in shortages right now. So how are all these issues impacting the enterprises? Yeah, so you know, I've been, as I said, I've been in cybersecurity now over 20 years, and um, I always re- reference three main drivers. One is the infrastructure, uh, the second one is the threat landscape, and the third one is regulatory. And, and these three dynamics you know, change how we deliver cybersecurity. I think if you go back quite a while, I think the threat landscape was the most dynamic. It was changing. There was new threat vectors, new types of threats, etc. I think that's what's happened over the last five to six years is the infrastructure changed a lot, um, first with uh, cloud, uh, most recently with work from anywhere. Uh, I think regulatory is, is kind of a constant. Uh, it depends per region um, and, and per country. And what these three dynamics then really have, have forced, I think, enterprises to buy a lot of point products because as the threat landscape changes, they buy a, something to stop that threat. As the infrastructure changes, they have to change the way to deploy it. And so these these three have caused a lot of complexity. I I speak to some customers with maybe 20, 30, 40, even 50 plus different products, which don't really work that well together. And so I think the industry is facing a, a, a pivotal point here where they really need to think about a, a, a platform approach, consolidate the number of different vendors they have, and then make sure things are more converged, make things sure things are more integrated as they go forward. You know, you mentioned 40 to 50 different point solutions. I think that's very common in, you know, in many large enterprises. And I, I think you're spot on. And it's not only it's just that many products to think about. How do you integrate, as you mentioned? And also the training and then how do you correlate? Uh, it's just it's mind-blowing how the industry has just grown organically without any kind of kind of process to put it all together. But anyway, so what, given these challenges, what should organizers be focused on? Like, how can they, how can consolidation help them, and, and how do they get there? 
Yeah, well, I think there's two, there's two areas that can drive consolidation. Um, the first is what we call convergence. And um, convergence takes multiple products and brings them into one. Uh, my, my very simple example is I used to have a, a camera and a phone and an MP3 player and a, maybe an alarm clock. Now you, you have one phone that does all of that. And so you've taken three or four products and built it into one. If you look at networking historically, it's, it's, it's been very much about connectivity. It has no idea about the applications. There's no idea about the content, who's sending it, from where. And so uh, there's a big area of convergence, which is bringing networking and security together. Uh, a really good example of that is SD-WAN, where instead of just routing based on IP and, and, and IP tables, you actually know what the application is and you, and you, you route on the application. That's a smarter way of you know, doing things. And if you add some security in there, it's more secure as well. So I think one big area will be convergence. A lot of that's happening in the network today. I think in the future, it'll happen at endpoint. Things like EDR will integrate with zero trust. It'll happen in the cloud as you become cloud native. The NOC and the SOC will converge as well. So this convergence reduces the number of products and gives you a fantastic ROI and payback. The other way of consolidating is to, instead of having you know, 20 or 30 vendors, to have five or six platforms that work better together. And, and the platform capability allows you to share threat intelligence, allows you to share policy, allows you to build automation to respond. And so um, convergence and, and, and platform are two big drivers of consolidation. But, I mean, to convert, or you talked about you know, four or five different vendors coming together, I mean, doesn't now you need to have standards or some way of plugging together? Isn't that going to be an important aspect? Absolutely, Pascal. <laughs> you know, I think, um, especially cyber, I think networking has a few standards. You know, you, the MEF has driven quite a, some of those standards as well, which is great. I think cybersecurity is, uh, I use the expression, still the Wild West. There's just hundreds of vendors that have no standards on how to work together. And so it, it really is necessary to drive some standards so we, we can share information, we can automate provisioning, uh, we can build automation scripts and response. And I really wish the industry would do a better job in, in building some standards. It's really complex for the customers to try and integrate proprietary APIs together. Yeah, it's so true. Anyway, so look, SASE is a really important topic right now, and everybody's talking about it. So a good example is the convergence of networking, as you talked about, in cybersecurity coming together. And, you know, Secure Access Service Edge, which is SASE, is really, you know, came up from Gartner in, I think, 2019. So can you talk to us more about, you know, what does SASE mean? You know, organization, organizations are still confused a lot. What is SASE? And what are the things that they should be looking for when they're evaluating, evaluating SASE solutions? Yeah, well, uh, we didn't know the cybersecurity industry is acronym city. And so um, I, I'll ask 100 customers and I'll get 100 different answers around what SASE is. Um, as you said, it was, it was defined by Gartner a few years ago. They originally defined it as 13 different things. Then it became five and these days it's two. And so these things also, also change. I think, you know, to me, SASE is that convergence of networking and security as a service. And so to me, it's very well set up for service providers to provide it. But we're also saying that um, it's not a cloud-only world. So yes, in some circumstances, you will need as a service to provide that convergence of networking and security to provide connectivity for maybe remote users. Uh, 
If you're on-premise, maybe you continue to use the integrated secure SD-WAN to do that. So SASE is an important piece. I think the, the longer-term thing that I, I like about the SASE definition is this ability to take what a cloud-delivered solution and an on-premise solution and integrate them together. Because sometimes it's more efficient to stay on your network. Sometimes it's more efficient to be off the network. Sometimes it's more secure to be on and off the network. So again, we don't see a cloud-only world in the future, just as we don't see an on-premise-only future. So it's going to be a hybrid of both. Yeah, so really hybrid, multi-cloud, distributed clouds, all coming together. And now, work from anywhere has really driven this sassy phenomenon, right? I mean, 2019, we didn't have COVID, the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic came in, and then all of everybody had to work from home. And now they were all, you know, scrambling for how do I secure that worker at home? And, and all of a sudden, you know, in 2021, 2021, everyone was talking about SASE, was in every conference, and, and it, was, it was a lot of the hype. But now we're really seeing products out there and that offering being delivered. So can you give us some more thoughts about, you know, what has driven SASE and, and you know, the Fortinet solutions, why, why, what's so great about that you've done and to enable that SASE kind of integration, that platform? Yeah, I remember distinctly when, you know, COVID broke out, uh, we got a lot of customers because up until then, really maybe 10% of the, of the workforce was remote. And so they had VPN technology, which was simple enough. To, you know, it connected you back into the data center through an encrypted link. Now they suddenly realized, oh, everyone needs to be on the VPN. So they started piling everyone on the VPN. A lot of systems crashed because they couldn't handle capacity. But what they, everyone suddenly realized in that is that once you're on the network, either through being in the, in the building or through VPN, which is essentially the same thing, the whole network was open. You could go anywhere you wanted. So it created this massive attack surface yeah. for, for a lot of companies. And so what they, what they decided was, you know, we need to have a better solution. So I think we're now in that stage. And I think, again, to me, SASE is an architecture and a long, it's, a lot, it's a buzz term. I think what customers suddenly realize is they need more of a zero trust approach, especially for remote users. And so um, that zero trust approach means that you're only allowed access to certain applications. Uh, depending on you know uh, directories and it also checks on your on your posture of your device and things like that. So I think to me zero trust is the fundamental technology long term that customers want to get to, but it shouldn't be just for remote users. It should be when you're on the network. It should be for devices and so something called universal ZTNA that's remote on network and for devices. I think is a goal. However, ZT ZTNA implementations uh, are not overnight. That is, you know, 12 to 18 months, depending how big you are. I think the SASE conversation, I think most of the SASE business today is really taking what used to be the proxy, secure gateway, and taking that out of the data center and moving it into a cloud because a lot of the users are going to those clouds anyway, so why not have it closer? So I think SASE, there's, there's, there's two really distinct markets, of well, three distinct markets. One is zero trust as a concept for user application access. The second one is secure gateway, which includes things like CASB, and DLP inside there. And then the third area is SD-WAN, which gives you that transparent application routing. Uh, all those three things need to come together. Uh, Gartner referred to it as single vendor SASE, but those are the three main applications uh, customers want to get to. You know, I think, John, you put that really well. I, I think SASE has been so confusing. I think 
breaking down to those three buckets is really, really good. So look, you talked about zero trust, and we'll come back to what you know, Fortinet's role here has been in all of this. But you talked about zero trust. So especially zero trust is being used in the application layer now, you know, in the cloud layer, and also the network layer. So there's a lot of complexity involved. So one of the top challenges is involved in zero trust, and, and specifically in networking ZTNA, and how you know the policies and updating the policies and I've heard that that is a really complex context, you know, getting that right uh, can impact, you know, the ability to someone to connect to some service because the policy is wrong. Or if you don't get it right, then it doesn't really protect you. So can you help us with this zero trust in general in the ZTNA and the network side on trying yeah. to enable on explain this? Yeah, well, I've, I've told Ghana for the last five years that ZTNA is the wrong term, network access. It should be application access. So Z ZTNA application access, I think it really highlights one of the problems I talked about right at the beginning, and that is uh, for a zero-trust architecture, uh, you need a client, uh, you need a policy engine, you need a proxy enforcement, and it needs to preferably be close to the application. Uh, you need identity. Uh, if you're going to do devices, you need NAC, uh, and that's just the basic version, okay? Now, when I speak to customers, they've got five or six different vendors doing those things. And it is impossible to get them to work together to make that happen. So the, the first thing is, from a zero trust perspective, is to kind of create a platform. Now, it doesn't have to be one vendor. You know, you can still use uh, identity along with a ZTNA networking vendor. But I think the most, com it's not really getting agents or the policy. The most complex thing for, for customers or enterprises is that they need to put that enforcement close to the application. So that enforcement, a reverse proxy, needs to sit in the data center, it needs to sit in the cloud, it needs to sit long-term inside the customer premise. And, and so the, you know, the architecture cannot be cloud-only. It's got to be something that's flexible across all, where all the applications are. And those applications will continue to move. You know, we've already seen edge compute starting to take off. And so I think the, the complexity is the issue for customers. And then they have to go application by application. I can tell you internally to Fortinet, we've implemented ZTNA. Obviously, it's our technology, but it wasn't overnight. We had to go application by application because they're in different places. We had to make sure that the, you know the agents were talking to the policy engines at all times. Because you're right, if you don't get, if you don't get it right, what happens is you can't get access to certain things, and people get pretty annoyed about that. Um, and so, making sure all the policies work, making sure all the enforcement's in place, and it's continuously updated as you add new applications and new users means that zero trust is not just a button you switch on. It is an architecture across your entire infrastructure. Yeah, well said, John. You know, at MEF, we just released MEF 118, which is about a zero trust framework, and we're working on version two already. And one of the things I've been saying in the slide is the application side of zero trust of device applications users who are working with the cloud, you know, authentication authorization on what they can do has to also propagate down in the network. So we're not having you know, user applications and devices logged in at the cloud level, and then again at the network level, it, it doesn't make sense. And the policy has to be uniform. So one of the things we're working long-term is how do we provide an API you know, between all of these worlds? So stay tuned on that. But anyways, that's, that's 118 being evolved over time. But let's talk about Fortinet and really how you played an active role from F 
within MAF. And, you know, I remember when we started SD-WAN, you were the, Fortinet was one of the key, key contributors that incubated the initial SD-WAN almost four years ago. So very, very grateful for that. And thank you. But also, you know, you've been recently shaping our SASE and Zero Trust framework. Can you talk about the service providers partner across, you know, you have a lot of service providers partners across the globe. What are you hearing from them about the importance of these standards and Fortinet's ability to support them in delivering new services? Yeah, we have a, quite a few large and small service provider customers around the world. And, um, and then they really struggle a bit because, you know, in a world, in a SaaS delivered world where things move really, you know, really quickly, they've got to organize, you know, large amounts of network to be able to bring the application on top of that. And so um, if they're having to build proprietary interfaces all the time, it just slows them down even more. And so, uh, you know, we've always said that we think service providers, we know service providers have a huge part to play in cybersecurity, especially the convergence and things like SASE. Uh, and, and so when I, when, when I speak to them, what they really want is something a bit more standardized so they can roll it out more quickly. And I think those standards that we've worked on, you know, for SD-WAN, now working on SASE and Zero ZTNA, are going to be really, really important, not just for the application itself to work, but to the way you provision it, add it, and make changes. And so standards body and standards work. And I, again, it comes back to something I said earlier, that the cybersecurity industry as a whole is, is terrible in working together. They don't really want to work together, which is you can't share information. And so it's going to take a standards body that's flexible. You know, you know my opinion also, Pascal, about getting too rigid and taking years to do standards. Well, we've, we've moved on since then. Okay, so it has to be flexible and dynamic in the way you put them together. And you have to get support of the industry as well. I, I also think, by the way, that uh, we really need to see some, some testing, third-party testing done across these solutions on the networking and the security side. You know, I see a lot of vendors who say, oh, well, I've got, you know, I've got the best SD-WAN and the best security. Who knows? It's just in your brochure or on your PowerPoint. I think there needs to be, you know, some effort by the industry to put some standards together. So, because customers can't test all these things. And, and so they need some help in, in working out. Uh, it's not saying this is better than A is better than B, but this is what A does well, and this is what B does well. And then the customer can make a decision. So, so well put, John. You know, I could tell you that when the market's confused because they don't understand something, then everything kind of slows down and it doesn't get the full potential. And I think what we saw with SD-WAN was initially it was very confusing. People were trying to grapple with terminology terms. We obviously put the SD-WAN spec out almost two plus three years ago after we were working on it for two years, so a long time. And now we're on version three now we're working on. And I think the vocabulary of just the vocabulary from a standard, everybody can talk the vocabulary, has a tremendous power. But I think what you mentioned about certification is what you're talking about, to having some kind of third-party certification body that has tested the WAN impairments and how well does SD-WAN work on WAN impairments? Does it classify the applications right? How well have you protected yourself when you have a SASE deployment? How well does Zero Trust work? And so on. And having that certification test all of that as a third party and giving some kind of rating or something, I think would be very powerful. And I know in MEF, we're working now to deliver, not only do we have an SD-WAN certification, but we're working to deliver now a SASE or trust certification. So 
I think it's well put. I think the industry really needs that. I think everybody's confused about what they're getting from that service. And John, do you see more and more that enterprises want to buy this because of that cybersecurity professional shortage? They want to buy this as a managed, as a service offering. And that's kind of where the market's moving to now. Well, I think for, it depends on the market. So SD-WAN is probably 50-50, what I call DIY and service provider. You know, SASE uh, is mostly as a service, SaaS, uh, but I see more and more service providers trying to roll that out as a managed service as well. Uh, I think a lot of companies struggle uh, getting the right expertise in networking, especially in cybersecurity as well. And so I manage services, their preference, but... They also, when I speak to a lot of enterprises, they got, they want to be careful. They want, you know, they want to make sure they're getting good value uh, for their managed uh, offering. So a lot of people will make DIY decisions, but ask service providers to manage it for them. But all of them would like some more help in, in making sure it, you know, it runs correctly, efficiently, and securely. Well, John, it's been a pleasure having you on this episode. Do you have any final thoughts? You could even maybe talk about your Fortinet offering or your thoughts about, you know, where the market needs to be. What, what are you, what's your final thoughts in this? Final thoughts? Well, okay, this better be good. Um, yeah, I, I think the conversation we had kind of, kind of summarizes a lot of the conversations with customers. I think maybe as, as the economy takes a bit of a downturn, people are going to be much more focused on the ROI, the payback, the efficiency. That's why we, we do see uh, customers and enterprising making sure that they're making good long-term architecture decisions uh, that provides better connectivity because that's what their digital platform is based on. Um, but they're really worried about the cybersecurity threat landscape. You know, maybe today it's you know ransomware coming in the future is state-sponsored stuff. So I think this combination of accelerating their digital journey but making sure it's secure and then partnering with service providers and, and, and management to make sure that it all works efficiently. John, you know, you're spot on because even even my house, I get worried about cybersecurity. I have so many IoT devices in my house, it's crazy. And I know there's a lot of vulnerabilities to that. But as you state, I think everybody's concerned. No one really knows, am I secure? And it's it's always the top question everybody's worried about. And as you talk, talked about, state-sponsored actors are really going to become the norm. And it's a huge, huge economy. I think I read somewhere it's like the third largest economy now in the world is cybercrime after, you know, US and China economy. So it's really mind boggling how big this economy has grown and what the challenges we're faced with. And let's face it, these, these I'll call them bad guys, <laughs> but these threat actors are really, really smart. And and how can we get smarter is really the question. How can we really work together, I think, is the answer as a whole industry and as a government and, you know, the world to really take this on. And I think this is the challenge going forward. And I think we're still not quite there. So anyways, thank you, John, for your time and really appreciate all your insight and wish you a good day and all our listeners. Yeah, thank you, Pascal.